Welcome to another episode of What is Black? The inspiration for this episode came from a Google search where I found a February 2021 Nielsen report, The New Black Family Culture, Navigating Crises Through Content. The highlight was this quote from the opening of the report. Television and the content we Black families choose continues to play an essential role, helping Black families cope under unprecedented pressures. This is evidenced by the fact that Black families are accessing more content than ever, especially leaning into programming where they can feel seen. This idea of representative media content for Black families appealed to me as I'm in this space creating content, and I wanted to explore this topic with experts in their fields. I'm excited today to be joined for this episode by special guest Charlene Polite-Corley, the Vice President of Diverse Insights and Partnerships at Nielsen, and Natalie Engel, the Director of Content for Children's Programming at PBS. This episode, we'll explore why representation in the media for Black families matters. So welcome, Charlene and Natalie, to the show today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And it's a pleasure um, to, to speak with you today. Um, so first, I want to start by just asking, how are you all feeling today? Feeling all right. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a little chilly here today than I expected. So I'm <laughs> just kind of recalibrating on that, but otherwise feeling pretty good. Same here in the Maryland area where I live. We actually got some snow flurries this morning. So um, I'm just embracing sort of the holiday spirit and <laughs> trying to find something positive in the cold, uh, cold weather. Awesome. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So in the intro, I you know talked a little bit about why, you know, what was the inspiration for this episode? And so I'm gonna start, you know, start by asking um some questions of, of you both so we can start the conversation. So, Charlene, before we get started, can you just share a little bit about your background? Um, and then I'll ask Natalie and then we'll get into the questions. Sure, thanks. Um, well, my role at Nielsen is uh, diverse insights and partnerships. And really what that means is I'm on our diversity, equity, and inclusion team. And my job is to bring that lens into everything that Nielsen measures and reports. So, um, you know, Nielsen is on a mission to create a better me media future for all people. And we can't do that if we're not including all perspectives and all different kinds of intersectional diversity. Um, given the population trends and shifts um, across our country, it's increasingly important and critical for um, our clients and the media industry at large to understand, you know, how, who is the new face of um, our country uh, today and going forward. Um, and a lot of our clients are really in the, the infancy of um, understanding those different dimensions of diversity. And we have the insights that can help really illuminate that because not only is it the right thing to do, it is critical to the survival of your business. And so with populations changing and media behaviors definitely changing, um, you know, part of uh, the work of our team is to really bring that all together and say, let us guide you, not just with our currency measurement and ratings and all of that, but also as a guidepost to progress as we break down, like, um, I think systemic barriers or um, try to pull in now perspectives and folks that have been historically excluded. So that's a long-winded answer about what I do. Oh, you're doing great stuff. All right, and Natalie, you can share a little bit of what you do. 
Sure. So my role at PBS uh, is the Senior Director of Development for PBS Kids Content. Um, so what that means is that I work with uh, a lot of creative people, a lot of uh, producers, um, and a lot of just individuals, uh, anyone who has a, an idea for a, a television show for our audience, which is children between the ages of two and eight at PBS. Um, I work with them on, on really understanding what it is that they want to say, on figuring out um, you know, who these characters are, what their adventures are, what kinds of, of stories these characters can tell. And, um, and I help refine that idea. Um, and I also just help uh, creators kind of navigate the process of uh, getting a show made for PBS Kids. Awesome. So I wanted to, to just follow up um, with Charlene about the work that you're doing um, to address diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and specifically, fo- you know, focusing on um, the Nelson Nielsen report that came out earlier this year, the new Black family culture navigating crisis through content, and some other reports that you all do. And I was wondering if you could um, share anything that you really found. One of you could talk a little bit about about that report, just in brief. And then, <clears throat> was there any data, or you know, anything surprising that made you think differently um, after after that report? Absolutely. Yeah. The um, the last year and a half, almost two years, right, have just added complexity to already challenging sort of day to day as working parents or just people, you know, trying to trying to make it through the day. Um, but between the pandemic and the racial reckoning, it was really important for me and for our team to use our data to kind of do a status report on how Black families were coping and specifically how they were using content to help cope, um, to help start a really tough conversation, um, you know, on what was happening, to help just like have a break from what was happening and all the other ways that we kind of turn to, in particular, television content um, to get through this new uh, normal of, you know, virtual school, working from home, all of the above, all at the same time. Uh, so one of the, um, like I said, big things that that really kind of um, came together for, for Black families in the U.S. And, and really around the world as we coped was, you know, there's this very real threat of how do I cope now with this virus that is circulating? And then um, that was brand new and not really sure how to deal with it. And then there was this other very old, very familiar virus of um, racial injustice that kind of re- reared up in a really um, powerful way. And so the collision of those two things was really showing up in a lot of our um, day-to-day behaviors and in our media habits. I think one of the most powerful and sobering stats on how that all came together for me personally was we looked at the week of the Capitol insurrection. And Nielsen's data showed that not only were, you know, Black families sort of tuned into the news the day that that happened, but specifically Black children were um, four out of 10 of their most viewed programs that week were news programs compared to just one out of 10 for kids overall. And so for that um, to surface through our our data really just kind of gave us all pause to say, you know, after watching a summer of how protesters asking for equality and, you know, demanding justice and a change um, in tide were treated um, in those scenarios and then seeing sort of a stark contrast as to how the, um, the capital insurrection played out and then seeing the data about how kids tuned into that was really powerful um, to say that, you know, children are 
you know, more than ever, like really tuned in. Um, and Black children in, in particular, um, you know, have to confront these issues and television content is a big part of how that conversation plays out uh, in our households. Um, I think, you know, through this, you know, it wasn't all sort of uh, as heavy as that, you know, TV is the great escape still for many of us. And so there's definitely these moments of joy and um, triumph and connection. And so we were able to highlight how, um, you know, holiday movies like, um, um, I can't think of the name, The Christmas Chronicles. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, yeah, the... I, I'm, I was say jingle jangle. That was jingle like jangle. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. It was jingle jangled in my brain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and soul all kind of surfaced up to the top as like those good family. You know, let me just sit down and have a nice um, sort of age appropriate interaction around the television. Um, and then beyond that, you know, for the grownups in the room, uh, we really saw some trends that surfaced through the versus phenomenon um, and, and club quarantine. So, you know, engagement with Instagram and with Zoom all up exponentially with um, with black adults. And so those were those moments of joy where we say, you know, um, the screen time wasn't all uh, as heavy as the news cycle. There was definitely some some escape and, and ways to cope with that as well. And so um, that was that was really sort of the goal here was just to highlight how it really was showing up in our media behaviors, um, fighting these two very real battles. So I'm going to bring Natalie into the conversation now because, you know, you're you know, you're really responsible for, you know, some of the key um things that, that young young people watch right you said like the two to two to eight year and I was wondering if if that if that goes into like some of the thoughts that you know some of the some of the reporting the data from Neil singles influences programming um for you know the program that's developed yeah absolutely I, you know it Nielsen really helps influence a lot of our understanding of our audience um you know it's it's through Nielsen data that we know that PBS uh, reaches more um, Black children, more Hispanic children, more um, Asian American children, and, and Native American children in this country than any other, any other network does in a year. So we definitely very much rely on Nielsen data to kind of help us understand who's watching. Um, and that in turn, of course, you know, really plays into our mission of wanting to make sure that every child living in America can see themselves reflected on our screen. Um, so it's, you know, it's through reporting um, uh, from Nielsen and, and then other data inputs that we have that we, you know, we really understand that this is um, not just critical to our mission, but really critical to, um, you know, the growth and the development of children across the country. Um, and so we very much pay attention to that. I was just going to say, um, to just follow up with Natalie uh, pointed out there with like the need to really make sure that children in particular are seen on screen and, and have their experience reflected back to them. Some other recent real research from Nielsen and our team found that over half of Black audiences felt there's still not enough of content that is representative um, of their identity. Um, and of their experiences. And so the work that, you know, PBS Kids and, and, and others are doing is really critical. And the demand is there for pushing that even further because 
we usually get that one show or that one movie and um, families are saying, and black audiences in general are saying that there, we need more, there's still not enough. So great kudos to the work that's going on there. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. And I, I think, you know, I, I had, um, I'd read a report um, from Nielsen, maybe it's the same one that you're referencing, um, seeing and believing, is that right? I felt like that, you know, that also did a, you know, phenomenal job, I think, of just underscoring that it's, it, it, it's not just quantity even that matters, it's that quality, that authentic um, approach, you know, that authentic representation. And that is, you know, that's, that's very much what we're, you know, in, in constant um, uh, pursuit of, of doing more of, you know, and, and uh, really making sure again that, you know, when kids are watching, you know, it's not just a surface level thing. They're really seeing themselves. They're really seeing their stories. They're really seeing their, you know, their day-to-day -day challenges and, you know, positive solutions that can come of them. For sure. You'll see that theme recurring a lot, I think, um, today and going forward in the, in the work coming from Nielsen, because it's a reality that, you know, as a Black woman in corporate America and a mom that, you know, we live constantly. Um, but making sure that that quality and context piece is, is present, it goes even beyond our scripted content, right? So especially going back to like what the what we were seeing play out um, last summer, you know, if, if constantly that news cycle or, or what we're seeing play out in breaking news doesn't have a context behind why, um, you know, those dots can't get connected for audiences and you're presented with just that very surface level, um, you know, what perspective. And so one of the great things that I think that has come out of 2020 and I hope persists is a lot more context in reporting. Um, you saw programs like 13th and giving like historical context around like, how did we get here? Um, um, how did we get to now to reference a, a BBS title? Um, but I think the, the, um, the inclusion, I think, in the broadening of the context and the people who get to report and add on that has really shifted dramatically in the last almost two years. And I hope we continue to see more of that. I think what's nice too is, you know, some of the programming that PBS developed over the last year, I think it's been a continuum of, right, the, some of the next Sesame Street, right? Uh, I know Sesame Street is Sesame Street Workshop, right, which is on PBS. But again, programs like that, Arthur, right? Um, Daniel Tiger. Daniel Tiger, right. Um, talking about race, talking about having those conversations, right? And that to me really became important Go, going back to Charlene's point about the context, right? And making it understandable for kids. And I just wanted to, I guess, um, find out for you, Natalie, about how PBS, you know, cre I mean, created that and responded to that. I mean, I think that was wonderful. To, to me, I think that really does show um, how responsive you all are, but also intentional as well, because it's been a, it's been a history of it. Um, but it's just it's just it's just interesting to hear kind of like the behind the scenes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, so so you're right that I think the need to be responsive, the need to be really honest um, and direct with kids about what's going on in the world is something that, you know, has characterized PBS kids um, content since the days of Mr. Rogers, you know, talking about um, Robert Kennedy being assassinated and and. Um, and, and other um, events, and of course, Sesame Workshop has done a phenomenal job um, of of really, you know, talking to these tough issues. Um, this last year and a half, two years, however long it's been now, have really been, um, I think, um, both some of the most challenging, and also I think some of the most um, uh, exciting. Uh, 
years for me as somebody who, you know, really believes that media can make an impact um, and really can help foster conversations, can help um, can help kids make sense of the world around them in a in a really powerful way. So we really, you know, applied that uh, thinking into these, you know, twin crises of uh, of of the last couple of years. Um, in in terms of race and racism, I mean, this was really our our um, um, response. We really felt like, you know, we had the capacity to help. Um, kids and parents figure out how to talk about these issues together. Um, and we knew that, you know, parents were really looking to us as a really trusted source of media, as, you know, um, a, a media entity that, um, you know, always kind of puts an age-appropriate approach uh, first and foremost. Um, so we were hearing from parents through social media, through, um, you know, other channels that, that they really needed help, that they really wanted support in this. Um, and so we really took that to heart. And um, that's really, you know, was why my, my team and I developed uh, PBS Kids Talk About Race and Racism, which was a, um, a broadcast special that was um, developed um, kind of as a continuation of, a, of a, a digital series that we have PBS Kids Talk About. Um, and this, you know, what we hoped to do there was, you know, really model for for parents and for children that this is something that needs to be discussed um, and that there are lots of ways that that can look like there's not a perfect way to do it some people you know are are you know have been talking about these issues um, especially among families of color you know for many years you know before <laughs> viewing this program and for some uh, families it was brand new and it was uncomfortable and it was scary um, and we really wanted to show that that's okay. All of it is okay. Um, the important thing is to talk about it. And so we were very fortunate to be able to um, work with Amanda Gorman on, you know, hosting this special. Um, we were really fortunate to have wonderful production partners who um, helped us, uh, you know, pull the, the appropriate clips um, from uh, series like Daniel Tiger, Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum and Arthur that kind of showed different ways that, um, you know, race and standing up for what's right really can play out. Um, and then we were extremely fortunate just to have such a wonderful array of families join us in these very open and very honest conversations on camera so that, you know, families across the country could really benefit from, um, from seeing that modeled and seeing how, you know, it's, it's not perfect and it's hard, but it's okay. <laughs> and it's, it's good. And, you know, and, and it, and moves things along. So that was very important to us. Yeah. I think what is really powerful about the programming Natalie's talking about is, you know, definitely a critical sort of guidepost for those families having the conversation for the first time, you know, who are finally like, you know what, this is the right age. This is the right time to talk to you about this reality. And I think in many Black households, um, that is sort of a generational passed on conversation that, you know, you know that it's coming, you know, you're going to have to address it um, and probably address it very early on. But um, one thing that I 
uh, one trend I would say as a, a parent, a millennial parent, if you will, is that we don't always have to follow the, the rule book of, you know, that generational handbook, so to speak. Um, and so that when we have these new resources about, you know what, maybe there's a better way to make it make sense for a three-year-old um, or a two-year-old at the time, um, that those resources are still valuable, even if you have had to have this uh, conversation before. Uh, if you, you know, even expect to have this conversation often, that for both those who unfortunately have had to revisit this topic or having it for the first time, there's so much intention behind um, this kind of programming um, that, that Natalie and, and the PBS Kids team are putting together. And that's valuable. So sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pediatrician. And so a lot of it, I come from the perspective, one is a mom, but also as a pediatrician. And I think for me, you know, given these past couple of years, you know, the, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, you know, does, has put out, put out statements about, you know, limiting um, how much television time. And then we also say, you know, like in response to like really traumatic events, right? Making sure that, you know, we kind of monitor how much exposure kids have to, you know, to, to the information. But it is balanced with the fact that given the last couple of years, given, you know, um, technology, but also given the fact that there is more um, representative and positive content for younger kids, right? Especially younger kids. And I'm hoping, you know, more gets developed for older kids as well, right? So it's this full spectrum, mm -hmm. full spectrum of kids. And so what I, what I really do appreciate about, you know, having this information about, you know, how people are viewing and what they want, you know, juxtaposed to, what's available, right? As a pediatrician, right? I, I now have tools, right? To share with parents. Educators have tools to share with parents. So I think we can sort of balance both of those things, right? Um, and I think also too, going back to what PBS Kids does in terms of that intention, what I think is an intention, intentional is the normalization, right? Of the conversations, because you've already, already kind of established that even with Daniel Tiger talking about emotions, right? That's already sort of normalized into then start having something else added to the conversation also normalize it, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I, you know, we, we definitely pay close attention to those recommendations from, um, uh, from the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, and, and at the same time, I think, you know, as you were saying, Jackie, I think we really look at media as a resource, media as a tool for families, for kids, um, and for families. And for, for caregivers and kids at the same time, you know, we've, we've, um, we've done studies that show that when there's, you know, kind of an adult that engages in um, a media experience with their child, their child takes away a lot more from that media than they would have if they're just watching on their own. So I think we really look at these as opportunities to say, um, here is something that you can talk about together. Here's something that you can build on, on, you know, build a relationship around, you know, um, I have seen that with my own son, um, you know, the, the one of the silver, silver linings, I think of the pandemic is that we spent, um, a lot of time watching <laughs> content together and it gave us a lot to talk about and it gave us a lot to take out into the world and connect to what he's seeing in the world, um, in ways that, you know, I think, it may have been more more challenging without that opportunity. So I think you know that's a very small scale example of what we're hoping um, content like PBS Kids Race and Racism can do on a larger scale. You know, with more impact um, 
across the country. I agree, Natalie. We, um, in my household, we blew past that uh, recommendation uh, for screen time limits uh, pretty quickly and uh, still are. But I think that part of how that's justified in my head is like, there are resources. Um, you know, there's definitely, especially as taking a part in watching as a family or, you know, um, you know, just being the grown up in the room as he engages with content that I know uh, if I steer him to certain outlets in certain programs, he is getting the benefit of um, that early childhood development or just, you know, to, to your point, Jackie, of normalizing, mm -hmm. seeing uh, black and brown characters, um, kinky hair, and, you know, uh, the full sort of spectrum of, you know, what uh, black experience or Afro-Latino experience uh, can and it can be. And so for me, it's really exciting to see that um, with so many different content options now versus how, you know, someone my age grew up, it'll be, it won't be, um, you know, shocking to see or surprising to see that representation. It would be more shocking if you comes into a program and is like, why aren't there any characters that look like me? It'll just be a part of his um, expectation and, and something um, still celebrated, but not like a, a surprise, you know, when he goes in and sees himself reflected. And so that is, is really important in the, con the content of the programming we choose. Now, just going back to, your, to one of your original um, points, um, Charlene, about how families think that there's not enough, there should be, there could be, there should, there could be more, right? More representation. And just thinking about that intentionality of programs that are developed, right? And even for little kids, right? Again, we talk about this normalization of interactions between different groups of people. Unfortunately, in some in, in the United States, there are some communities that may not have interactions with someone that doesn't look like them. So then the program becomes, I think, an opportunity, like you said, like this reading some bishops, mirrors, windows, sliding glass doors opportunity. So just wanted to talk a little bit about that and how maybe some thoughts about how maybe media can be more intentional about that, right? So, and how PBS maybe does that as well, Natalie, as maybe as a follow-up to that, to that response from Charlotte. Sure. Yeah. I think it goes back to, um, you know, when we talk about other audiences who may not ever cross paths with a certain type of person in real life, but get exposed to that experience or to that type of person through content, it makes that point about quality and context all the more critical. Um, that, you know, even though, hey, we've got these, these players sort of represented on screen and that quantity of representation is great, if we're not also considering how we always present, you know, is the, is the dark character always the villain? you know, is, um, who is, who does the hero look like? Who gets to have, you know, the two-parent household? Um, all those different sort of subconscious, subliminal, um, different aspects of a character or of how a story is represented um, are really, really important. So um, does the person living with a disability get to like, uh, you know, win the race or achieve, you know, the award or whatever that is, just normalizing those types of um, dimensions of diversity can be really, really powerful um, when we aren't even looking for it or expecting it. But again, if you've never crossed paths, even with, you know, a person of a different race or background, religion, um, content has such a huge opportunity uh, to, to, to connect those dots for us. And if we think about, you know, um, just overall, children are spending so much time with uh, television. I think it's around 22 hours a week on average for kids 2 to 11. 
Um, uh, you know, that is a big window into how we learn and to how we build perceptions. Um, some additional research that our team did um, showed that, you know, people of color were more likely to say that how they were represented on screen was inaccurate. Um, but, you know, when they were look, thinking about how other identity groups are represented, they were saying, yeah, that's mostly correct. So if we think about, you know, if you ask me how I'm re represented on screen, I'm saying it's inaccurate. But if you ask Natalie how Black women are represented on screen, you know, she might answer that. I think that that's pretty accurate. And so that disconnect, I think, says a lot about how um, we do have to have that intention in the room. We have to have those diverse perspectives in the room who are thinking about not just on the surface how someone gets represented, um, but how we can dive deeper and um, represent our, our own intersectional realities um, you know, positive, negative, and otherwise, uh, in when we have the opportunity to tell a story. Yeah, Charlene is absolutely right. And and at the same time, I also would just add to that, you know, I think one of the things that we think a lot about is that, you know, when there's only one show that is, you know, maybe about, you know, a, a Native American community, or there's only one show about a Black family on any given network, then it puts so much pressure on that one particular program to be representative of an entire broad, diverse, rich, you know, complicated um, right. in the best possible way, right, community. And so I think it really speaks to there's no one one size fits all approach. And that's something that is really um, top of mind for us as we, you know, look across our development slate, as we look across kind of what's out there already. Um, it's not like we're done, right? You know, Molly of Denali, I think, is a is a phenomenal um, uh, show that you know it's the first the first show with a, a lead Native American character um, that's you know broadly distributed in the United States. That's amazing, but it, but but our work isn't done, right? Alma's Way um, tells the story of a Puerto Rican family living in the Bronx, um, and that's a really specific and really uh, richly diverse and interesting um, community to be looking at, but we also have a show um, that was just announced in production called uh, Rosie's Rules that's going to be looking at a, a blended Mexican-American family in Texas, right? It's not like there's, you know, we have a, a show about Latino characters and we're done. There's more to tell, there's more to unpack, there's more to more to explore and um, and capture with with a lot of people who are bringing their voices to these experiences, um, both on the screen and behind the scenes, you know, and that's really what we're looking to do more of just to build on, um, you know, some of the content that I think that we've done that has been really important and meaningful, um, and also to recognize that we're never done, <laughs> because there's so much more to do. And um, there's so many ways to look at identity as it plays out. Um, across across the United States. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear about that content that's coming because again, getting really specific and detailed and granular about an experience is phenomenal for the people that it connects with. And because of that, it's also, you know, that education around somebody I may not cross paths with or know personally. But the powerful thing about what you just said is, you know, we have Puerto Rico, we have Mexico and all these different um, Hispanic Latino experiences being represented in the programming. But also um, one of the things we called out in the um, families report was, you know, Afro-Latino families make up around um, or households make up almost 5% of our Black population. 
And so by nature, by very definition, this is an intersectional story that is going to be told. Um, you know, there's, there's Black people in all those places you mentioned. So um, the more that we can dive deeper into a community, all those other beautiful aspects um, emerge. But yeah, that pressure of just having the one show, we've got to get past that um, because that, you know, we can't, that I think takes that, um, that risk and burden of being everything to everyone away because there's not just going to be one story. We're going to have more to be able to really dive in and, and, and tell those stories the way that they deserve to be. And by nature, that will bring more of us along, I, I feel. So I'm yeah. really exciting to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, and just to your to your point, Charlene, you know, even in, in Alma's way, which, you know, uh, as I said, Alma's, you know, Puerto Rican, it's, a, it's about a Puerto Rican family. Mm-hmm. So there's nuance and there's difference and there's diversity even within sort of like, you know, what, what we tend to sort of generalize as, you know, one experience mm-hmm. um, and really thinking about that. And again, I think it goes back to intentionality, right? That's an intentional choice to be reflective of um, more than, you know, more than one label for lack of a better term. And to explore that and to celebrate it and to have fun with it, you know, I think that's, you know, that's, that's really what, you know, I think that's where it, it gets the most interesting, right? <laughs> you know, it's, that's where the fun is for me. And I think for the folks that we work with, it's, um, it's exciting because it's real and it's, and it's lovely. I think for me, what I'm looking forward to is hearing, you know, the kids in this generation, um, younger kids as they're growing up, you know, what their, how, how their views of what they've seen and heard and their experiences will differ from like the prior generation. And I think, you know, part of that is really going to be influenced by parents' choices, right, with, with kid with their, with their children. And I think hopefully not only does the media that's becoming more representative and diverse and inclusive, you know, focus on children, right? Okay, there's, kids can see themselves, but also, you know, the parents and caregivers for those children, it becomes normal for them too, right? Because I think, you know, in my experience, right, parents, parents do struggle and, you know, in your, in your research, right, they, they struggle in asking questions, talking about different topics, hard, having hard conversations because of their experiences, right? And there's this, there's this sort of dissonance between their kids' experiences right now and what they may have been grown with parents that their parents may have grown up with so I think I think that's going to be interesting that's a great point you bring up Jackie about um, not just the parents but the caregivers and and other grown-ups sort of you know really shepherding this next generation Um, the census data that we looked at showed that 51 percent of black kids um, are in a one-parent household so just thinking about you know the realities of making it day to day hour to hour in the last two years what that um, has been like for a parent, um, uh, you know, kind of doing it by themselves or, or with their village. Um, another 7% lived with relatives other than a parent. Um, and some, you know, our report on women over 50 also showed that, you know, um, basically women of color were more likely to have uh, children in the household. So, um, and I think Black women over 50 in particular were 22% more likely to have children in the household. So when we're talking to, you know, the folks who are, you know, raising this next generation, it's not always young, um, you know, married couples that are are in the household and they need support as well, because um, we would not survive without my Uh, (laughs) in-laws. But, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to make a family. And if you talk about sort of that generational divide of how 
maybe a grandparent and the issues that they had to deal or the resources they had to deal um, when they raised their own kids or when they were coming up compared to now what they are faced with um, is really dramatic. And that is a large part of the, um, the populations when we start to look at the Black community. So um, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's an important consideration um, that shows up and in, 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 it does show up in some of the kids' content that's out there. So I think that's important. Yeah, and I would just add that for, you know, for PBS kids, I think, you know, so, you know, my work really focuses on developing that content and that programming for um, for kids between the ages of two and eight, but within the broader context of the work that kind of comes out of our group, you know, we really see our work as, um, you know, if we're thinking about a child's success, it has to recognize that, um, that involves caregivers, that involves adults, that involves teachers, that involves a whole community. Um, and so, you know, we have um, uh, people on our team who are who are working on resources for parents to kind of help build on, you know, the, the content that's available to their children. We have teams who are um, really working on connecting educators with our content so that things can be talked about in the classroom. Um, it's, it, you know, it's, it, they say it takes a village, we call it like an ecosystem, right? You know, it's, it's all of the people in a child's life who are invested in their success. Um, and so how can we be helpful, you know, broadly um, to, to all of those uh, influential um, folks in a child's life? And how can we be providing them with support and resources and, um, and you know, helping answer questions when they reach out to us, you know, how can you help me talk to my children about the pandemic? How can you help me talk to children about race and racism? You know, we are all in this together and we're, you know, we're really committed to, to figuring out how we can be a, a trusted resource for all. I'm looking forward to, you know, you all really being the, like the, the, I'm trying to find the right word, right? Sort of the model, right? For other, and I, and I think that's, I think that's slowly developing by maybe even some of the commercial, more commercial brands, right? Putting content out for kids. And I'm, I'm hearing more of them being intentional about what's put out. Because I know what my kids, my kids are 20 and you know 20 and 23, or one will be 20 coming up in 2023. And I'm like, all right, that content was different than what they have access, what younger kids have access to now. So I think what I would have told a parent or what I would have been told, you know, I would have told myself as a parent when they were younger, you know, I might have different, you know, different ideas now about um, what what I would say, you know, to myself as a parent now if I had small, had younger kids. Because I think there's there's still not enough, but you know, I do want to um, acknowledge the fact that there's been progress made, and you know, progress takes a long time, right, to to achieve. Yeah. But I think, yeah, yeah. So, but at least I think I think we're headed in the right direction. <laughs> you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> Right. I, I would say one of my sort of personal guideposts as a, as a mom and, and searching for content, I know that anything he watches on PBS will be educational. Um, but what I do like to see is other networks or content that we might watch. It's usually an app. So like this is on Nick Jr. or something like that before they'll say, these are the skills that, you know, well, we're working on if you watch this program. And so um, PBS might have that now. But um, I know, again, I know that no matter what it is, there are skills that are safe. I just, I don't have to think about it. Um, it's a safe place for him to be. You don't have to worry about an ad that's going to pop up and not be appropriate. 
or something that you know is really for grown-ups and not necessarily for you um and then with others are kind of giving parents that sort of disclaimer going in to say yes there's something here that he will take away from it it's not just like one big ad um which is a couple of the cartoons when i was growing up it was just all advertising the doll you needed to buy um so i do like looking for those um sort of hints of this is a a good place for your family to be um and i think we're seeing more of that um, and so definitely the, the, the sources where I can, um, you know, blanket trust of this is always going to be high quality and safe and he'll learn something are always beneficial. And then one, you know, one last question, you know, now with, um, you know, more technology available to kids, right? The apps, like you mentioned, um, as well as podcasts or you know, other electronics. Um, are, why, Charlene, are you hearing about parents and like black parents engaging in those resources and then I guess Natalie for you how PBS is um, navigating some of the the use of technology? Yeah I I would just start by saying that the use of technology has really exploded. Um, It's been a trend uh, especially among children um, the last you know several years but then with the change in the pandemic and now I'm not just going there for entertainment you know after school or on weekends it is You know, I'm in front of the the laptop for school. I'm on my tablet while mom's in a meeting. Like it is just nonstop. And we've seen that really explode in the data, particularly for for kids and connected devices. So those internet connected devices to the main television set um, where kids overall are spending around 18 hours a week um, with television, but nine hours of that. um, And this is again, the two to 11 age group, um, but about nine hours of that time a week is just with the streaming devices, just with the connected devices. Um, With black children, two to 11 in particular, that goes up to um, over 11 and a half hours a week. Um, So we're seeing more than half of that time with the TV screen being with uh, basically a gateway device to all this other, you know, resources of content, which is, you know, can be both good and bad. Um, But I do think that families are really, really leaning into, um, especially when you think about last year when production kind of stopped as we kind of figured out how to operate in the new world. Um, You know, the streaming libraries were a huge uh, resource when new programming wasn't coming out. And because that sort of behavior was built and this, we see this across the board for every age group, you know, now that sort of pathway has been built and it's going to be really hard to shut it off. Um, But what I don't think families are thinking about enough is again, those sort of safe places um, for kids entertainment. There's a lot of stuff on the internet that is presented as kids content. And I don't think there's enough information for, you know, just your average family trying to survive about what is truly and really appropriate for your kids and what is not so safe and flat out targeting um, because it's really easy to fall down that rabbit hole. Um, So it just really underscores the importance of um, folks who are, you know, programming with intention like Natalie um, and others who um, have those environments that are really appropriate, um, especially for young children, because I think parents, you know, just for, uh, you know, for whatever reason and, and just in desperation have been like, I just need you to be right here so I can function and you can function and do the things and we'll get through the day. And um, there's not been a lot of thought, but I think that's a huge opportunity for us now going forward is to say, what are those guardrails you need to consider if you are tapping into that content, um, especially for young kids and, and, and even older kids, um, even grownups. 
but um, I don't think we put a lot of thought into sort of those corners of the internet that where we did sort of seek out content. Um, and that's going to be increasingly important now that these pathways have been uh, connected for a lot of families. Yeah, <clears throat> there are there are resources um, that, you know, really try to kind of um, uh, sort of pre-screen or, you know, um, uh, make recommendations. Common Sense Media is a, is a, um, a you know, pretty influential one, but I think I think you're right, Charlene. It's just you know it's a little bit of the wild west in some ways, just because it's um, it's you know it, I mean just I am one of those parents you described who you know is like just to get get through. I had a you know when the pandemic started, my oldest was three and a half, and I had a four month old baby, and it was just you know we did what we had to do. But it, it was you know one of the things that really um, struck me was how quickly my son figured out how to navigate the tablet beyond what I sort of put in front of him. And that was very terrifying, you know. Oh, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. He bought a couple of movies without permission. Yeah, my son, um, my son is, uh, you know, he, he like knows just enough spelling to trigger the predictive text to like, you know, Google things and, you know, stuff comes up when I'm not watching, you know, that I'm, I'm like, oh, I, I, I wish I had known that, you know, so it's, we're kind of in this new, in this new phase for parents of, you know, yeah, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Um, how, how do you, you know, navigate these issues and where, you know, where can you kind of pivot and redirect and sort of stay within the area that your, your kids are interested in in a safe environment. Um, and, you know, and of course that's, you know, as, as a person who works for PBS Kids, I always sort of try to steer back there. Um, but yeah, I do think it's a challenge um, for the, you know, for the whole industry. There's a lot more awareness, I think, from parents of just how quickly, you know, kids can kind of, um, you know, take matters into their own hands and, um, and also um, just that need for like, you know, how do you redirect? How do you, you know, put those safety rails on while they're, you know, still at such a tender age? It's, it is a, it is a, you know, a, a very rich and interesting topic to figure out. I agree. I agree. And I know the American County Pediatrics has some resources. Um, and I know Common Sense Media is definitely a resource that we recommend um, to families. So I'll, I'll definitely share the resources I have and, you know, things that were mentioned during our conversation today. Um, for for listeners to help to help as well because I think it's important because I think you know the couple of things I've heard um, and this is also a good learning experience right for me as a pediatrician as well it's like the reality of parents today right so um, navigating media but also again as a tool and a resource right and parents should be um, should give themselves some you know some slack you know cut themselves some slack right um, because you do the best that you can with the situations that you have, right? And I think as, as long as, as parents, their intention is really to do their best for their kids, right? That's all you can do, right? That's all you can do. Which, and I and I think you're, you know, if anyone hasn't told you, amazing moms, right? Or the things that you're doing and, you know, really, it's, you know, talking about multitasking, this is like, this is beyond, right? With with the pandemic, it's, it's a lot of stuff um, parents have to have to deal with. Um, and thank you so much for your, the work that you're doing um, to help other families um, and really, um, really move, um, you know, I think becoming like a great model and opportunity for, 
what can be done better um, for, for all kids. I know we're focusing, you know, my, my podcast focuses particularly on Black families and children, but I really think it's content for everyone. Um, so, and I, and I thank you so much for joining me in this conversation um, today. And I look forward to, you know, all the great, great program PBS puts out as well as more information um, from Nielsen. Thank you so much, Jackie. This is really a, a, a very uh, fun and enlightening conversation, I think. And, and I re- I'm really um, appreciative that you included me as a guest today. Same here. I really appreciate the time. Thank you both for the work you're doing as well. And thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Music and editing for this episode by Manny Simone. We want to grow our community, so please tell a friend about the podcast and let them know that they can subscribe to the podcast wherever they listen to podcasts. Check out our website at whatisblack.co to learn about our work and to sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date about our exciting projects like our upcoming documentary, Reading in Black, Celebrating Black Children's Literature. Until next time, wishing you peace, wellness, and joy, and a reminder that you're seen and matter.